<laughs> All right, we'll just do it. Okay, one, two. No, three, I'll just start. Just give me a hot minute. One, two, three, go. This is Sibling Revelry. I'm Caitlin Perlman. And I'm Andrew Merriweather. And we're siblings. And also roommates. And also best friends. And also uh, co-boomerang preservationists. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure many of you are aware, um, since the rise of the Frisbee, since boomerang cartoons got canceled, the boomerang has been fading away. Since Australians. You know, we're being Australians, (laughs) as they always are. Uh, murdering people, <laughs> murdering natives, being criminal, criminals. Uh, yeah, and so we we decided to, to form a foundation um, to uh, raise money. The BPS, the the Boomerang Preservation Society, Society. Yeah. and you know, we're we're reaching out to you to to donate um, and to think about what impact the boomerang has had for you and your family and your community. You know, for us, the the Boomerang Preservation Society, we we have one motto, and that is, we're going to bring it back. <laughs> So anyway, if you have it in your heart, if you have it in your wallet, um, you take a just a couple minutes. Yeah. Take a couple minutes. You know, for the price of a cup of coffee a day or whatever the hell it is people normally say. <laughs> <laughs> you could preserve the one boomerang. boomerang. <laughs> Probably more than one. For a child in need. <laughs> So this is a podcast where we uh, talk about various things across the spectrum from robotic slaves to uh, the impacts uh, of gentrification on the world. And uh, basically how it works is that one of us is going to bring in a topic. This week it is me. Kaylin has no idea what the topic is going to be. And we're just going to talk off the dome about it a little while uh, and see what comes out of it and then take some breaks in between to play some games. Sounds like a plan. So, Caitlin, before we get started, we need to tell our audience about our demographics for this week. For sure. Yeah. Every week we speak for a different group. Uh, We represent the entire group. We are a part of it, but we speak for everybody. But if you feel like your group has been misrepresented, please feel free to correct us. Absolutely. All right. So, Andrew, who are you speaking for this week? Caitlin, this week I am speaking for all blue-eyed people who also own blue cars, who also uh, only own a pair of jorts as their (laughs) short uh repertoire jorts is all you got jorts is all i got and your girlfriend hates your jorts and my girlfriend hates my jorts what what (laughs) else is new um all right so i'm going to be speaking for all uh, five foot two people who can't whistle to save their lives (laughs) i've tried to learn believe me it's not happening um and who attended both of president obama's inaugurations in person oh yeah that's right and i was there for one of those you were there for one of those which was great like it was so cold it was really cold although it actually was not as that you attended the second one hit the one in 2000 Mm -hmm. um 2013 i attended the one in 2000 january 2009 also and that was freaking ridiculously cold and huge crowd yeah i heard they boxed us all in and we couldn't get out for like hours and my feet i thought my feet were gonna fall off but it was worth it. Cool. Well, so you ready for the topic for this one? I'm absolutely ready. Well, so, Kaylin, I don't know if you're aware, but the Oculus Rift uh, came out. Do you know what? I have no idea what that so, is. So, Oculus is this virtual reality company. Uh-huh. They're sort of like the cutting edge of virtual reality. And Samsung had come out with their own virtual reality system, you know, around Christmas time this past year. 
Um, but now like the real deal is out. Mm -hmm. So, you know how I am really into, uh, (laughs) perception, perception, robotics (laughs) from a theoretical, from an armchair place. I don't really, I'm not, I'm not going to build a robot, but I'm, I'm curious about what the, what impacts those things are going to have on Mm -hmm. our day-to-day lives and our culture. And so I'm, I guess my question for this week is essentially, what is your greatest fear about virtual reality? And what are you most excited about with regard to virtual reality? if you're excited about anything and or if you're scared of anything i'm not so much like freaked out for myself in terms of what virtual reality technology might do for me or not do for me or detract from my life in some way i guess maybe a kind of bigger picture scale in the same way that i this con- it concerns me about screens in general as i do worry about human disconnect I, I don't know i think about the minority report when he goes to this virtual reality club and they're just these rooms with the the paying clients in there experiencing whatever thing they really want to experience whatever fantasy they want to have like full sensory experience but it's not real so like there's a man who's like getting a lap dance from a stripper of course it's a virtual stripper right um no imagination that's very yeah, easy to get yeah seriously <laughs> Dumb. I mean, unless it's like getting a lap dance on top of Mount Everest. Right. <laughs> Which would maybe. be legitimately interesting. <laughs> Although very cold for the stripper, I would imagine. <laughs> but she's virtual, so maybe she doesn't right, care. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but that virtual experiences will take the place of real experiences. And, may- and maybe for me, this like belief that there is an inherent value in an experience being real I guess if you're like, yeah, if you want the like experience of what it's like to stand on top of Mount Everest, but you know you're never going to climb it because climbing Mount Everest is really hard and really dangerous. um, And most people will never climb Mount Everest. Like I could see that being like, oh, that's a cool, that's like a cool virtual reality thing you could experience. And of course, you know, it doesn't really compare to the experience of like actually climbing Mount Everest, but it gives you some sense of what it's like to stand on top of the mountain. I guess. So I, I there's a lot in there that I have questions about. But <laughs> okay. the first would be that... So there's a really famous philosophical experiment that's called the experience machine. Mm-hmm. And it goes essentially like this. Like, imagine that there is something that's basically like an immersive virtual reality thing. So not just that you're seeing stuff, but that you're actually you know, feeling. So it's tactile. You can smell. You can taste. You can hear. It's a completely immersive environment where you can experience anything you want right Mm -hmm. and so the question is something along the lines of look like you could have the ideal life right you could like be whatever you want to be you could have the relationships with the people that you want to have you could you know um go on as many adventures or go eat the best food or like whatever all the time and the question is like would you choose to stay in the experience machine forever or would you choose to exist in the the real world big scare quotes there like as we experience it now mm-hmm. well i think the whole everything being perfect i mean first off the uh, what a slippery definition that is sure um and of course the whole well you can't have pleasure without pain you can't have happiness without sadness all the yin yang sort of argument but why couldn't you i mean like why well because you can't understand what one thing is without the other thing so why do you I mean, well, okay, okay so as an ex- so the mount everest example right like you could like if you want to be able to virtually climb mount everest without all the, like without it being so like freaking like really freaking cold and really freaking hard 
and then you get to the top and you're like, okay, well, I did that. What was the point? Because the point is that it's hard. Right. But like, so, but right. But so in the, in the, in experience machine, if you're somebody who likes to climb mountains, you just climb Mount Everest. You can make it as hard as you want it to be. Or, but if you don't care about like the hardness of climbing a mountain, like you don't get any pleasure from that, then you would just be to the top. So is the point, so, but I guess the person who, who already wants to climb Mount Everest, who is a climber and wants to climb Mount Everest, why would they do it virtually if they could do it in reality? Well, because what if they're, what if they're handicapped or something like that? Okay. That's fair. Or like, it's just maybe they can't afford to get there. Mm-hmm. Right. So or, do it virtually. Or they don't want to actually risk their life. I guess like, I just wonder, I guess I just wonder if the person, if, if, if you're crazy enough to climb Mount Everest, <laughs> you're probably like risking your life and overcoming that is probably part of the, part of the high. Maybe. Um, okay. So like, here's an, here's a personal example for mm-hmm. you. Would you rather go through the struggles of having to find a writing agent and advertise <laughs> yourself and put in all that horrible, horrible work that's involved in selling a novel as opposed to being in a world where you actually get to just write your novels and have them be consumed by wide audiences and well, but these wide audiences aren't real. Well, what do you mean? So I guess this, <laughs> I mean, then this leads into the other question, like what's not real about it? Well, the people don't exist. They only exist virtually. They don't exist. Like they don't have any agency. They're part of a program. They're not an individual. I mean, if they act like people. <laughs> I, I, I don't think a person, uh, a computer program, a character in a computer program who acts like a person is a person. Why? I mean, but how would you know the difference between them once you're well, in the world? Like, well, because I know I'm in a virtual world. So you're saying like because you entered into the experience machine. I would know that it's not real. So the things that, that you work for that are rewarding because of the work you did are not rewarding if you, if you spe- step into a virtual reality experience where you know you're going to get it no matter what. Well, so what if you weren't aware? Just like a dream. Well, then I wouldn't know the difference. So like you enter into the experience machine, but when you wake up, you don't, and you're in the, ver- you're in the experience machine world and you don't necessarily know because it feels just like the regular world. The question would be like, would you ever actually want to be brought out of it back to regular life? You know, it's almost like signing a contract that's like, only leave me in the experience machine for a week, mm-hmm. right? And then bring me out. Do you think that you would actually win? And then that week of time, like you're a widely successful writer and you have exactly like everything that you want. And like you have, you're surrounded by your friends and you're like all of those things. Do you think that you would really trade that out for? Yes, because those people aren't really my friends. They're representations of my friends, but they're not really them. They don't have the randomness and the chaos that, that the real physical world has. And so they will do whatever, what they're programmed, what the software, the virtual reality software has them do for me. But I don't, ex- I don't live, I don't exist in the world for people that I love to serve me in whatever way I need them to serve me. I, I exist to love them. So no. So I would not be unhappy if I got pulled out of it. Even if I was like living this fantastical life, once I got pulled out of it and realized it wasn't real, I would be glad that I was back in the real world. Let's take a break um, from talking about virtual reality and get back to real life problems. Some serious real life problems. (laughs) And let's turn to our friend Lucia. 
Constantine for some for some advice. Um, Lucia is a good friend of ours. She's been on the show before multiple times. So thanks for coming back. I'm so happy to be here, <laughs> as always. <laughs> we need your wisdom. Yes, we do. It's been too always. long. Always already. It's been like wisdom. two months. Yeah, and my life has just been in shambles. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I need you every week. <laughs> Give me some direction. How's your uh, tattoo? Okay, so there's been some developments there. So I had a positive conversation about the tattoo, and now I think Christine is more open to the possibility of the tattoo. Nice. She's at least willing to go with me to the tattoo parlor and talk to the guy, see like what it's going to be. Yeah, now when I bring it up, she just doesn't have comments. It's just like, <laughs> and that's better than where we were before. <laughs> Kaylin, how's your... Nothing. <laughs> I already talked about. We already talked about yeah, this. So the gentrification. Nothing. We did nothing. Should I go first? Yeah. For my advice. Okay. So Lucia. So we all know I'm not particularly masculine, right? <laughs> we, we, you know. Do we? I think so. I think it's safe to say. Do you play any sports? I did in high school, and I mean, I do, I, I am athletic. I like I do, do play sports. Do you eat sports. red meat? <laughs> I do eat red meat. <laughs> Ooh. Well, so yeah. so the advice that I'm seeking is more for a specific situation. I'm not I'm not self conscious about that. I'm just like I think that's just sort of how it is. I'd just like the listeners to know uh, that I'm not self conscious about that. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, guys, no, I'm not. It's fine. <laughs> I like myself. Um, but so I do find myself in situations where I'm around like bros and so i find myself in these situations where like everyone's being fairly hyper masculine and then like i don't really necessarily know how to like do that without coming off really inauthentic what should my thought process be or how should i approach it should i just like not try to like orient myself towards being more masculine or should i just should i should i actually change could you give us an example of a scenario sure i imagine there was a sports game (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we We've need... talked about that before. You no longer know how to talk about sports. No longer, yeah. So I obviously I know how the game works, like, and I can like talk about it. But as far as like following the stats or like following all of the games, I don't do that necessarily. So yeah, when, I think that that's a good situation. It's like going to somebody's house where they're having like a game watching party. People are just like chest bumping, are like high five. Is that really what's happening? Those in those things, situations? those are happening. Those are things that are happening. Mm-hmm. It's not just happening on like a food line commercial. It's like really <laughs> happening <laughs> in real life. Oh, wow. I guess I don't know that many masculine males. <laughs> Great. It's what I'm I think we need to reclaim the term masculine. Well, yeah. Wait, right. and I'm not saying that like, yeah, like this is masculine, this is feminine, but I just mean like stereotypical masculinity. Mm-hmm. So what is what are you trying to accomplish with these males? To have a friendship with these people. Not necessarily an ongoing friendship, but like for them to feel like I'm like connected with them in this moment. You know, not just like an outsider just being like, yeah, I don't, yeah, this is cool. Like, okay, good. So in those situations, you're sort of maintaining somewhat surface conversations with the bros. Right, or just like being kind of awkward. I mean, like, yeah, awesome. <laughs> Sports ball. <laughs> Go team. <laughs> um, yeah, I wish I could think of like a better example off the top of my head. But just sort of like a general like brotherhood ship thing mm-hmm. is like just... Lacking. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. Huh. Well, I would think that the bros, one, recognize that you're not a bro Mm. So we're not looking for that from you, maybe. I would agree with that. I'm, I'm, con- I'm concerned that you're projecting 
a lot onto them like their Perhaps. responsibility like or that you you somehow subconsciously worry that you're like making them uncomfortable by not fitting in and maybe you should like let that worry go yeah that's what i was gonna say i think they probably have bros that they can talk sports with and they probably value the perspective that you bring to the i don't know <laughs> circle of friendship circle of friendship <laughs> You know, they're like, oh, I wonder what kind of music Andrew is listening to. What are the cool new jams? (laughs) Yeah, that's always where the conversation goes. What Andrew, what are the cool new jams? (laughs) I mean, it's not like, I don't know. It's not like you can't. I mean, you know a ton about music and you listen to a very Mm -hmm. eclectic mix. Like, bros listen to music also. (laughs) And you probably listen to some of the same music. So maybe it's more of an issue of projecting anxiety onto Mm -hmm. A situation as opposed to it actually ex- like existing or just like we're like instead of being like i'm gonna be myself and i'm gonna find the common ground that we do have instead of trying to make make, make common, common ground. ground yeah yeah i don't think you should try to be a bro because they're gonna see through that mm, yeah and i think you're also overthinking what they're thinking about you cool well that's helpful i hope so thanks lucia (laughs) i agree thank god kaylin what have you got um so this was a problem i was just thinking about i have a friend who um friend no it's it's actually not i wish it i sort of wish that this had happened to me but it didn't um she she met she went to a music festival and met this really amazing guy and they just like clicked and it was just like magic and they just had these like amazing three days together but he lives somewhere else, like fairly far away. And so they've been like talking and like kind of trying to visit each other. And it's been this like off and on like thing where it's just like, but we are so connected. Like we just are on that same level. I would, I would love your perspective on these kind of choices. How, how much distance? Um, like car distance, plane distance. I think the car, I think car distance is a stretch. So I think finding that kind of connection seems kind of rare these days uh-huh at least it's tough it's has yeah. it happens to me very 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 infrequently i right. can tell you that much. me too <laughs> <laughs> yeah i don't know i think this woman should go for it yeah make it happen but you know i agree with that i think like if, if the connection is that strong then maybe you can set up a situation where you're both able to like live your own lives and still mm-hmm build this connection but at what point at 28 going on 29 years old do you say no but really if this is gonna if this is gonna happen we need to be in the same place because we're like i'm thinking about my future yeah but that's like a if you put that pressure on i think dating or meeting other people then it becomes really hard to move forward with any relationship because you're like oh well this is probably not it so Mm -hmm. gotta move on i i understand that anxiety but i think if you don't give it a shot then you're not gonna know yeah let it unfold yeah and it sounds like it's a really solid connection Mm -hmm. yeah just one of those like magic things boom Boom. (laughs) two answers well thanks lucia (laughs) would you stay in the experience machine well yeah of course i mean absolutely to me it's it's not even a question like it would just be like yeah i mean if i could live in a world where like i could do exactly like i like i could pursue exactly what i want to pursue and like experience all like all that the world has to offer and still have the people in my life and like have them be not control them per se but like you know they would just exist in this world 
and have all the characteristics about them that are, you know, like are wonderful in the relationship, whether they're quote unquote good or bad, but you could like, you could just be like, yeah, like those are all fine. I just want to be able to have like, have all of my friends be close. I can be able to see them. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. But, but what about the fact that, so, I mean, I guess in, in this scenario, you're saying, well, you would go and you would, you would know you were entering the experience machine, but you know that the minute you wake up inside it, you've forgotten that it isn't real. Right. But before you go in, isn't there, wouldn't there be a part of you that would be concerned about the fact that what you were about to experience wasn't real? Well, I don't see it as not real. I mean, that's the distinction. Is yeah, that... but what those people who are close to you are not people. Well, well and, you're le- and you're also I mean, leaving and behind all the people who I actually know, love you. But I, they're just as much people as people are people in the everyday no, experience. I yes, disagree with absolutely. you. Absolutely. I mean, all <laughs> we have of our experience of people is <laughs> like our sensational experience of them our interactions with them so like in a virtual reality world it's so in like so immersive and so complex that you're able to mirror the world there's no difference between the existence of these i mean it's almost in the same way that like you could think about it as parallel universes right where like the people exist in this parallel universe are they the same are they identical to the people in the universe that you're existing in well Yes and no, right? In okay. some way. So here's a question. Is what about the fact that knowing that you're entering this experience machine, you're now cutting yourself off from, from the real world and therefore all the people that love you who will never get to interact with you again because you're existing in this alternate universe. You're basically stuck. You're basically sitting in a chair, like or whatever, like a sensory chamber or whatever it is, wherever right. you're sitting. And is you're just... selfish choice? Right. Well, yeah. I mean, I think that, that that's an interesting question because we all who are like really grappling with this question already have like several, you know, decades of experience typically in which we've built obligations, relationships mm-hmm. already in this world. And so do you have an obligation to live between those worlds in some way because you've already built these relationships with mm-hmm. these people? Right. Probably. I mean, I think that's probably the one thing that would really hold me back is that I would have m- like family I would have like my virtual reality family and I would have my regular, you know, my like this world family and I've already made obligations to my this world family. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But then as soon as you're in the virtual reality world, like you start making obligations to other people. Right. But, but they're not people. So how are they not people? Like, how do you know that they're any less people? Then, they don't have consciousness. What do you mean they don't physically exist? They you don't experience have consciousness. Them. Yeah, but they don't. But they don't exist. And but they exist. They're a program. They're pro- like you could. You could. But it's so complicated. But you could that track you would them down. To... You could look at the. You could look at the code for this virtual reality software, and you could track down the ones and zeros that make up that con that person. Well, anything that's that complicated is going to be computing that we can't even comprehend. Right, but you know what I'm saying. No, I'm not because you like could, you could find. But there would be code though. There would have to be code, and that and that. And that virtual person, virtual me in your experience machine exists as a a very, very long, complex series of code of some kind. I don't know. It might not exist that way. (laughs) That's what I'm saying. Like, it might not exist that way. Like, we might be operating on, like, quantum computing in a way that, like, we honestly, at this point, cannot comprehend what that would be like. So you're saying that the the virtual software would create infinite consciousnesses like they, they, every person you interact with has a consciousness maybe i mean yeah i mean i think so i think that like we did like that's 
if technology does continues to astound in its ability to manufacture experience then yeah i think like it will reach that level (laughs) so in some way like and i mean obviously i have no idea how that would work but i imagine it, it would be something along the lines of the way that your own brain functions right your ability to produce thoughts to produce dreams to produce anything influences the machine i don't know it just I know, it, rubs it just really way. really rubs me the wrong i just really don't like it Ugh. Well, i just so- don't want to live in that world All right, Kim, let's take a little break from uh, the virtual reality world and yes, step please. back into uh, this world for a period of time. All right. Um, so uh, I think it's time for a little bit of Who Knew, yeah. uh, where we share something new that we've learned in the past week or so, uh, and we just talk about it a little bit. So what have you? what's something new you've learned this week? Um, so I learned recently that you can be arrested for borrowing of a videotape and not returning it which is totally irrelevant today because like (laughs) there are no blockbusters left but this guy this north carolinian guy um named james myers jr um was arrested recently because he in 2002 he rented the movie freddie got fingered and never returned it i guess he forgot or i don't know he just had it and then and then (laughs) all blockbusters closed right but there was a warrant out for his arrest for not returning this it's amazing that a warrant is issued for that (laughs) so he's he's had this warrant out for his arrest for 14 years and he never (laughs) and he never knew because surely you can't be arrested for not returning freddy got fingered because (laughs) (laughs) who gives a crap about that movie right and so so he was pulled over by a cop um for having a broken brake light and then his well, he was like he was like driving his daughter to school or something totally innocuous and the cops pulled him over for that and then checked his id and saw this warrant and we're just like so we have to arrest you because you borrowed freddie got fingered <laughs> 14 I, years ago I they didn't say you borrowed a movie never did they said do you remember <laughs> renting the movie freddie got fingered 14 years ago and the guy was like what he was like yeah i have to arrest you and he was like well let me finish driving my daughter to school so they let him like drop his daughter off at school and then he turned himself in like i i I don't know what the the actual consequences will be i don't think it's played itself out i mean obviously like got a lawyer I mean, and all love that of god like hopefully hopefully they'll drop the case but anyway um tom green um got whiff of this and just thought it was hilarious that his movie was associated with it and so um, he like uh, he he actually reached out to this guy and like offered to pay his legal fees just because he thought the whole thing was so ridiculous which i thought was 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 pretty it's decent nice. of him it's good so my question was like okay let's say they they take this trial all the way through and at the end they're like you need to return the video and pay like some sort of fee like who would he even give it back to right well i don't know what happened to like actually like happened to blockbuster in terms of like its assets or like <laughs> yeah like i don't think it i mean it, i don't think it exists anywhere yeah it just it just went bankrupt right it just i like, think there's closed. actually there's still like i think there actually might still be a couple blockbusters open so they could give, he could give it back to that one of those one block- of those random blockbusters <laughs> be like great we've got another copy of a movie that probably nobody yeah, will watch like, oh perfect you know what we were just missing from our catalog <laughs> freddie got fingered <laughs> 
<laughs> this has been in such high demand. Thank God we have this. Yeah. I mean, thousands of people probably have not returned movies. Oh, undoubtedly. But how many of those get turned into warrants? I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Like, if there was some, some like very vindictive blockbuster employee was like, this asshole <laughs> has not brought back Freddy Got Fingered in, in, in four weeks. I'm pissed. <laughs> Time to call the cops. <laughs> I've had it up to here with people taking Freddy Got Fingered and not returning it. <laughs> yeah <laughs> wow that's good that's real good yeah what about you uh well mine is significantly less silly uh but i learned uh about this um secret underground economy that is going on in north korea um i read an article about it uh, on medium and basically the, what the guy was saying is that there's a ton like there's like something like 28,000 defectors from North Korea, Korea who are currently living in South Korea and those people obviously still have connections to family to colleagues to all sorts of people in North Korea they've figured out a way though to get money to those people so there's people in North Korea who are starting their own businesses you know need to buy goods are doing transactions but they're doing it all on the low in this like underground economy which is all basically happening on smartphones so essentially, if you're in South Korea, you send your you wire your money to a bank in China and then somebody transfers that money, I think, via smartphone somehow. Like there's some transfer that happens at this border of North Korea who's like the runner. Mm-hmm. And that guy takes that in money to whoever it is in North Korea that that money's trying to get to. Whoa. And, and then it exists. Like so many things could go virtually. wrong with this. Well, yeah. And I mean, I think there are people who get arrested and and I mean, God knows what happens I'm to sure. them. Um, but you know, you also got to live and like, there's a whole, you know, part of what they talk about is that the North Korean government, like just devalued currency in 2009, just for funsies, like to kind of crack down, I think on, on, yeah. So like they did that and they basically wiped out the savings of like, you know, thousands of people. Um, and so some, you know, North Koreans got wise to that and they were just like, okay, well I'm just going to get money in us dollars right Mm -hmm. and like just start stashing that away because god knows what's going to happen with this economy yeah the government can just do whatever they want um and so it's just really fascinating to me that like people in north korea are just like finding ways under this oppressive Mm -hmm. regime to kind of just like still live their lives yeah fight the good fight yeah um not even trying to overthrow the government but just like you know just trying to like start to survive to turn a you know like start a shop you know Mm -hmm. (laughs) um I think that's really interesting. Well, it's an example of one of those. It's just an unfathomable thing that we like. We can never fully appreciate what it would be like to be a person living in North Korea. Like I can't even imagine. Yeah, another reason why we need virtual reality. Is it? Segway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Speaking of which, I guess we should get back to our conversation. I think it's time. In a whole other realm. Um, is this question about virtual reality and sex, which I think is really (laughs) interesting. There's a great Vice documentary that sort of is exploring some of the virtual love industry that's emerging because, of course, like (laughs) every time a new technology comes out, it's simultaneously used. How can we apply this to sex? How can we apply, how can we use this to to kill people? And how can we use it to have sex? (laughs) (laughs) Those are the first two questions (laughs) that we ask about every new technology. Uh, We're still driven by our ids, let's be real. Yeah, exactly. 
obviously I'm, I'm sure you can imagine like the ways in which virtual reality is being applied to, oh, to having sex. Well, I mean, we, and the, and we touched on a lot of this in our first ever episode mm-hmm. when we were talking robots. about ro- robotic slaves, but also talking about sex robots specifically. And so I don't want to rehash too many of those mm-hmm. points. Um, but the difference between the experience of like being with a physical being, be it like a human being or a robot being, and and engaging sexually with that thing versus like just i don't know lying in a bed or like being in your sensory chamber and like plugging in the like sex software and being like all right time to have some sex with nobody (laughs) or i mean with anybody or with anybody (laughs) i mean that's what's kind of so like because what the difference between that and like the sex robot thing is that it's not so much that you're having sex with a thing that's you know, has an artificial consciousness, you're enacting literally any sort of sexual fantasy that you've ever right. had and it comes to life. Um, well, on the one hand, I'm like, it's like, well, what's the harm? Because people have fantasies all the time and like, we don't, I don't necessarily think we should like be like, well, you can't, you can't fantasize about having sex with someone that you'll never have sex with in real life. Like whether it's a celebrity or someone you really are attracted to, but you can't have for whatever reason. On the other hand, there's something really fantastic about human and human sex like sexual experience that is like I'm I might induce some eye rolling here, but the spiritual side of it. I know, right. Just you so just, everybody knows I just rolled my <laughs> he eyes. He just rolled his eyes like a douchebag. <laughs> I know you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, no, I hear what you're saying though. Um and I mean of course that in this documentary, for example, they raise these questions about like you know, will this lead to people just not having sex with each other? And I don't think necessarily it will. It, that will be true for most people in the same way that I don't like I don't buy into the like, oh, well, now I've watched so much porn that I can't have real sex. Yeah, exactly. I, I think and I think that the appeal of sex in a non-virtual setting like will always remain. I, I, mm-hmm. I don't think it will be like, oh, this is boring in comparison to like soaring on an, a giant eagle to that sex that i had with yeah, yeah while yeah, having sex with kim kardashian right exactly like you know <laughs> is that your fantasy oh, <laughs> eagle sex <laughs> i don't want to get too personal here but i think that's a little bit just like too much slippery slope oh like you know mm-hmm. the very fabric of our like human psychology is going to be like torn apart by um you know well, yeah slippery slope arguments are always really irritate me right. it's like we do have choice you know we do have choices right like we can, we know where to stop. Like just because you let like a man and another man get married doesn't mean like suddenly people are going to be marrying goats. Like that makes no sense. Exactly. <laughs> Though you mean people might be marrying goats virtual reality wise. Who knows? Yeah. Virtually, <laughs> I guess you could marry a goat. But if that goat is like, if, if your argument is that the goat it may as well be a real goat, then it's still unethical. But what if it's a goat that like can talk? <laughs> what if it's a goat that looks like Kim Kardashian? <laughs> Okay, so that's our show. Thank you all so much for listening in. Uh, if you want to join the conversation, please feel free to email us, tweet at us, um, tag us on Instagram. Uh, you can Absolutely. do that at sibling underscore revelry for both Twitter and Instagram, or you can email us at siblingrevelrypodcast at gmail.com. This episode was produced and edited by Andrew Merriweather. Our music is by Flamingosis. You can find more of his work at flamingosis.com. Thank you.